Before we get into this one, I would just like to thank you for tuning in over the past year to Off in the S's. It truly has been a very enjoyable experience, and uh, I really can't wait to see what the uh, the 2023 season brings and what we're going to be able to do to continue to grow. Um, as we move into the off season, though, I do want to hear from you. Yes, you, the listener, and hear what you want going into this off season. As you may be aware, there has been some shorter content that has been produced lately, mainly to be optimized for YouTube. Now, I want to hear from you and let me know if you want me to continue to release these shorter episodes in their audio form through the podcast feed on a frequent basis, or if you prefer them to be compiled together once a month or so for an overall longer episode. You can let me know on Twitter at Off in the S's. And without further ado, let's get into it. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome to Off in the S's, a podcast focusing on the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship. I'm your host, Stu, and on today's show, we are focusing on the Salins Six Hours of the Glen, the 2022 edition, and the drive time chaos that came about after the checkered flag. Let's rewind to the 2022 Six Hours of the Glen. It was a race that saw a lot from side-by-side finishes and plenty of aggressive driving in the early going that led to numerous full-course yellows. But the most talked about part came after the checkered flag. You see, the most race-defining moment of the Salem Six Hours of the Glen came at the four-and-a-half-hour mark. And no, it was not for this massive accident featuring the Carbon with Peregrine Racing Lamborghini that got absolutely sent into the barriers in the boot very hard by some LMP2 competitors. No, it came moments after that, when lightning and a storm was moving through the area. The passing storm caused a red flag condition and forced everyone from track marshals to drivers to people like me who were there at the race to seek shelter. The red flag was held up for about an hour and when racing resumed, when that green flag flew again, there were 20 minutes of race time left. Well, you might think, well, there's nothing else to talk about there, right? Storm passed through, race got restarted. We got 20 minutes of racing left. Well, That's where you're wrong. You see, with the red flag stoppage and the hour of race time that we lost, that's not going to be added back on to the end of the race. It's just not how it works. We lost that period of racing, and as a result, there are minimum drive times that needed to be adjusted. You see, each class has a minimum drive time for for a minimum amount of time that the drivers have to spend in their cars. And as a result of the race being shortened, it's only fair that these minimum drive times get shortened as well. So the minimum drive time was reduced for the LMP2, LMP3, GTD Pro, and GTD categories from 1 hour and 30 minutes to 1 hour and 17 minutes. This took into account a 14% reduction in the overall race time that was lost due to the red flag condition. DPI competitors' drive time was also reduced from 30 to 25 minutes, but that does not end up being a factor. In the sporting regulations, uh, since drive time is not accrued under red flag conditions, the result of this adjustment, just reducing that minimum drive time by 14%, was substantial. But 
It was more substantial the amount of race time that was lost as a result of this so late in the race. And this really bit teams in the butt, specifically teams that had backloaded their drive time for a single driver to be scheduled within the final two hours of, or so of the race and them not being able to meet the minimum adjusted drive time. This led to some massive post-race news as there were nine cars, nine cars that were moved to the back of their class as a result of not meeting the new minimum drive time, which was reduced again from an hour and a half to an hour and 17 minutes. The GTD Pro class winning number 25 Team RLL BMW of John Edwards, the first place finisher in GTD, number 54 or 57 Windward Racing Mercedes, Philippe Ellis, and third place finishing LMP3, uh, the number 36 Andretti Motorsports Ligier of Gabby Chavez, they were all immediately informed that they did not meet minimum drive time and had their podium, or in some of these cases, wins taken away from them. There were also additional cars that failed to meet minimum drive time, such as the number one Paul Miller Racing BMW, the number 12 Vassar Sullivan Lexus, the 32 Korthoff Motorsports Mercedes, the NTE Sport Lamborghini, the Crucial Motorsports McLaren, and the number 99 Hardpoint Porsche all failed to meet the new adjusted minimum drive time. It doesn't exactly take rocket scientists to see that this is probably a problem and needs to be addressed with so many cars being forced to the back of their classes. Now, of course, it does. It, it didn't make sense for IMSA to make up rules on the fly. I mean, we're not NASCAR here. Uh, <laughs> so... IMSA, they, you know, they held their own, they backed up their decision, they actually released clarity on it later on, that just clarified for everybody exactly the process that they went through, and, and how they got to the decision that they did, and how these teams missed minimum drive time. And now that the season is over, and the next season regulations are being released, they have come out with their fix. For the first time, the 2023 regulations have been released. Link in the show notes if you want to take a look at those. Um, but basically, the uh, this new rule that they've implemented state the minimum drive time is reduced by a 2 to 1 ratio, meaning that if the race is reduced by 10% of the original scheduled race time, the minimum drive time is therefore reduced by 20%. In this case, in the case of the 2022 running at Watkins Glen, this would have reduced drive time by 28%. You'll recall the 14% of the race was lost due to the red flag condition. Based on this new 2 to 1 ratio that they're putting out in the rule book now, that would mean that drive time would be reduced by 28%. This 28% reduction would have led to a drive time reduction of approximately 25 minutes, and it would have saw the minimum drive time be reduced to about an hour and five minutes. This would mean that only the number 25 team RLL BMW of John Edwards, who came in again at an hour and one minute of drive time, and the number 12 Vassar Sullivan Lexus of Aaron Tielitz, who was at an hour and two minutes of drive time, they would not 
have been sent to the back of their class. Honestly, as well, the teams very well may have known this when they were going back to green flag, but they were they might have been hoping for a decision by IMSA that that would have not saw um, the results them being moved to the back of their class for something that was largely out of their control. But still, regardless, this rule change would have prevented seven of the nine teams from failing to meet minimum drive time. And I think this is just another win by IMSA. For them to take a step back and realize that the rule that was in place was probably inadvertently costing teams some of their finishing positions, be able to look at it, adjust it, and, you know, take significant steps for this to not happen again in the future is, I think, is very commendable. And to me, it indicates that they are listening and reacting to the teams and what they're having to say post-race and listening to their input. And that is incredibly important in maintaining the health of this series, especially going into such a key phase with The new GTP cars that are coming in, there's so many new GT3 cars that are coming in as well, and just a GT3 sort of being brought into a new light on the global scale, soon to be in the World Endurance Championship as well. I think this is a really good job by IMSA to take this back and make these adjustments. But let me know what you think of IMSA's decisions lately. Are you a fan of them? You can let me know in the comments down below or on Twitter at OffInTheSs. A big thank you for tuning in, and before you go, make sure that you are subscribed on your favorite podcasting app so that you never miss an episode throughout this off-season. You can also follow and interact with us on Twitter over at OffInTheSs or on YouTube as well. You can also find us there at OffInTheSs. Once again, though, a big thank you for tuning in. I hope everyone has a great race weekend and doesn't go OffInTheSs. (laughs) 